Business Books. Business Books. On The Money Show. The interview with Chris Becker at Half Past Seven this evening, the outgoing chief executive of NASPARS, the biggest technology company outside of the United States and China, is NASPARS, although most of its assets, of course, the value of its assets are tied up in China. What about the future of NASPARS with Chris Becker? And then we'll get full analysis of the company as well between Half Past Seven and Eight O'Clock this evening. The Age of Oversupply. It's the title of a latest book by Daniel Alpert. He's the managing partner at Westwood Capital. He's a fellow of the Century Foundation, which is one of the oldest think tanks in the United States. Daniel Alpert, good to have you on The Money Show this evening, all the way from uh, New York tonight. Give us a, a concept. It's a pleasure to be with you. The age of oversupply. The oversupply of what exactly? Oversupply of global labor, productive capacity, and capital. Uh, effectively, if you go back to, uh, say, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, um, when you really think about what the advanced nations were at the time, uh, they were basically Japan, U.S., Canada, Western Europe, throw in South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and a bunch of relatively small population countries. Um, you're pretty, pretty much talking about maybe 800 million people. Suddenly, we wake up, uh, whether you want to draw the line at the fall of the Berlin Wall or Tiananmen, the same year, 1989, or later on, uh, we wake up with 3.5 billion people uh, who are suddenly interested in competing with the advanced nations. Uh, demand is nowhere near sufficient uh, to uh, to accommodate all the uh, uh, production of those people, uh, and you end up with this huge stall, uh, first a bubble and then a crash, and then a huge stall in the advanced economies. So we, we get to this point through democratization, basically. Well, you know, you can put it in political terms, I suppose. Uh, uh, you know, you can say, well, finally, the uh, you know democracy and capitalism uh, beat back communism after uh, some 70 years. Uh, but as a practical matter, uh, the more astounding thing is that these people, these three and a half billion people who were in one way or another socialist uh, or in socialist countries, um, you know, really were not in competition with the rest of the world for those 70 years. And uh, you remove that plug. Uh, and suddenly you have an enormous imbalance issue. You have, a, you have to absorb all of these people uh, into a world, of, uh, a world in which their labor, their uh, savings, their uh, capacity uh, is now trumping uh, the, uh, the, the, the ability of uh, folks in the advanced nations to remain employed. Now, that's called competition, isn't it? It is. It's nothing, nothing more uh, or less than that as a practical matter. Uh, but, but it's almost as though, I think, and, and to put it in, in reasonable terms, it's almost as though suddenly uh, you, know, you had spaceships of Martians uh, landing on the Earth uh, and deciding to, to compete against uh, the you know, 7 billion people who are here. Um, the, uh, the, the, the bottom line is that this situation was very unnatural. It came about very, very quickly, meaning the, the collapse of communism, socialism came back came about very quickly. Uh, and the, uh, the, the sheer magnitude of the number of people who were introduced into the free market system in a very, very short period of time has created imbalances that, quite frankly, uh, as we can see from really a failure of, their, of, of, uh, of meaningful recovery taking hold in Japan, U.S., or, or Western Europe, uh, we can see now uh, the the after effects of this. Isn't this a creation of new markets, a creation of new opportunities? The optimists about emerging markets would tell us that that is what is occurring. 
Absolutely. That over time, uh, we can all sing Kumbaya and be be happy together. Uh, But as a practical matter, uh, the absorption process is very dislocative. Uh, You have uh, uh, billions of people who are willing to work at wages far below those uh, that uh, folks in the advanced nations are willing to work for. Um, and uh, want to improve their standard of living, so they're they're taking the business, um, and uh, they are able to at least in the tradable goods sectors um, compete massively with uh, folks in countries that have far higher wage and price structures. Um, now, eventually, those people will start to consume, as we can see in China. They haven't done so yet. Chinese China's savings rate is higher than fifty percent. Uh, compare that, say, to the U.S. national savings rate, which is uh, below 10. Um, you, you, you can't uh, imagine the, uh, the, the magnitude of difference that that entails in terms of balance of payments and trade balances. Um, it creates a, a very, very big uh, dislocation such, such that you don't have uh, folks in uh, uh, most of Europe, except for Germany and the Benelux states, uh, in Japan and in the U.S. Uh, with sufficient employment opportunities as a result. What, and what contribution has the U.S. Fed under Ben Bernanke and its monetary policy stance um, since 2008 and the easing of global monetary policy following on from that? Has that contributed to this this great imbalance that is making you so uncomfortable? This age of oversupply. Yeah, it it it, uh, it it contributed to allowing us to avoid the more uh, deflationary aspects of that. Because fundamentally, I think it's important for people to understand uh, when you have an excess of anything, you're going to push the price down of that thing, and so. Uh, in, 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 of course, all excesses in supply have to be looked at as relative to demand. So you can look at it as a demand shortfall or a supply excess. It doesn't really matter. Um, but when you have uh, an excess of supply of labor, which in this case is certainly uh, what has happened, um, the price of labor should actually uh, have come down across the board, even in the advanced uh, countries. And it has to some extent, but not very much. Um, but uh, take in this situation and uh, start pumping enormous amounts of liquidity into the system and set interest rates at, at functionally zero, which is where uh, they are for all the advanced nations at this point. Um, and you create at least some, uh, 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 generally speaking, asset inflation, meaning that it becomes cheaper to carry assets, uh, properties, stocks, etc. cetera. Um, and uh, you, you create some wealth effect that tr- trickles down and uh, creates some consumption in the economy. But what you're not able to create, and what we've seen uh, in Europe as well as in the U.S. and, and Japan, is uh, you're not able to create a massive resurgence of wage growth and certainly uh, uh, you know, a sufficient job growth. So... Um, Yes, it's helped enormously. Uh, I would uh, not uh, decry it, uh, but I do think it has, at least with respect to uh, quantitative easing in the United States, it's passed its sell-by date. It's time to end the policy and allow prices to adjust. And that is probably what we're going through at the moment. What is the consequence then, as you see it, Daniel, in terms of the this this age of oversupply? Well, I think what happened is, uh, you know, if you really go back, and, and obviously South Africa's case is, is sui generis. It's completely different from, from everybody else's, so it doesn't really apply directly to South Africa. But looking at the rest of the advanced world, um, you know, we, we all patted ourselves on the back after after having overthrown uh, uh, communism in, in the, the East, and, and uh, rather in the, the Eastern Bloc, 
And then in uh, in China, you know, having the uh, Chinese government adapt uh, liberalizations that uh, uh, and you know created the Chinese miracles we know it today. Um, yeah, you know, we 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 believe we actually won the Cold War, and in fact, I would I would posit that we sort of lost it uh, in that we unleashed this enormous uh, pool of excess labor into direct competition with us. Um, the, uh, the 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 problem with all of that, if you sort of extrapolate it forward, is there, there will come a period of time at which uh, in which Chinese labor will start to consume, and they will create the new markets you spoke of earlier. Uh, but until that time happens, uh, the, the advanced nations are going to be under uh, in, incredible pressure, uh, which functionally should be deflationary, meaning that the value of uh, prices and wages should decline with this overabundance of supply. Um, when you remove uh, quantitative easing, and uh, I don't think there's anybody who believes that we're going to see interest rates go up, uh, certainly the Fed's going to keep them low. Uh, probably for uh, four or five years from now, um, but uh, you know when you remove quantitative easing and you start to back off that additional liquidity, those deflationary pressures, which consist of two things: one is the uh, still uh, substantial debt overhang; households still have a lot of debt, uh, and uh, in the case of Europe, uh, the, the sovereigns have a lot of debt, and households in other certain European countries have a lot of debt. So there's a huge debt overhang in the advanced world. You know, Japan has the highest debt in the, in the entire world. Um, so the, you, you take the, the debt overhang on the one hand, and then you take this massive excess of, uh, of, of labor, productive capacity, and, um, uh, and capital. And quite frankly, it pushes, it should push prices down. That hasn't happened because of, uh, of monetary policy. We're about to see what's going to happen. For example... Uh, people uh, have, have were, were last year were saying that uh, long-term U.S. interest rates would rise if the Fed tapered off of quantitative easing, and as it turns out, they haven't done so. In fact, uh, at the second month's taper announcement, uh, interest rates actually uh, fell. Mm-hmm. So um, we we looked at uh, the, the rate on the ten-year topping out at 3.04 percent at the end of 2013. And it's, uh, you know, it's down uh, uh, 30 basis points below that today. Daniel Alpert, we have to leave it there. The Managing Director of Westwood Capital and also a fellow at the Century Foundation. It's one of the U.S.'s oldest think tanks. He's written a new book called The Age of Oversupply and saying basically they don't like in the United States the huge amount of competition that's come from emerging markets. Personally, I think it's brilliant.